Welcome to the Highland Southern Baptist Podcast. Each week, Keith Perrin will deliver a Holy Spirit-inspired message. If you have a Bible, you can read along with us. Our mission is to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ from Hillsboro, Missouri to the rest of the world. Now, here's Pastor Keith. If you would get your Bibles, open them up to the, to the book of 1 John, not the gospel according to John, but the book of 1 John, chapter 1. This particular letter was written by um, the Apostle John, and in this particular, it's, uh, a lot of people have called it a love letter. It's known as a love letter. Um, and it's a love letter because it's extremely informative. Now, when you look at some of the information that's in there, it seems like it's strictly doctrinal. It is doctrinal, but doctrinal information is very applicable when it comes to the way that we choose to use it in life. Um, when he wrote this particular letter, he wanted uh, he wanted uh, the readers to have a clear understanding about who God is. Um, and the reason for that, the reason being for that. If you went through this entire letter, you would see uh, John continually reinforcing uh, the importance of fellowship. Now, when we say fellowship, and for years, you know, we've, we've had fellowship suppers here at the church, and churches have fellowships all the time, and I think we tend to use that word fellowship an awful lot. And I think in many cases, we even use it in, in context that it's not accurate. Um, can you have fellowship with somebody that you have a relationship problem with? No, you can't. Can you have fellowship if you have an emotional problem? Can you have fellowship with other people? The word fellowship, the Greek word koinonia, you might remember what it means? It means intimacy. Don't do anything freaky or weird or dirty with that word because it's never intended to be that way. Intimacy. It's the... It's the intertangling of fellow believers in Jesus Christ's lives and relationships with each other. Intertangled. In other words, um, you, ever been, you ever been to a church anywhere that you missed for a long time and nobody checked on you? Nobody was wondering where you went? That's not fellowship. When we have fellowship with somebody, first of all, we notice when they're gone. Second of all, we have enough compassion for them to wonder if they're okay. Right? When's the last time that you actually saw someone inside the church that you knew that missed and you caught it? Now, I'm going to say even worse. Notice that somebody missed, caught it, and then did nothing. A church is a church, not because we just have a whole list of things that we need to get done that Jesus told us to. That's not the, that's not the purpose. Look at the front of the bulletin. What's the purpose of the church? The purpose of the church is very clearly to provide a place for people to attend so that as the world continues to get worse, we have the ability to encourage one another. Fellowship, the interworkings of a relationship. Intimacy with one another. Truth is, that's one thing the world's missing. That's one thing the church is missing. Because the church has become so motivated by everything else under the sun, whether it be money or prestige or a title, they have some reason that they're working and doing what it is that they're doing, but they're not doing it for the right reason. This is, 
long time after Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. A lot of time has passed. Some bad habits have settled in the lives of individuals who uh, are Christians. The non-Christian continued to be what they've been since the beginning of time. But the conflict that had been created from the point that, I mean, it was right after Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, but um, it really turned up the heat when the Apostle Paul came on the scene and started going into these Gentile villages and was telling people about Jesus. And the Jews are all like, hey, there's an untapped resource. They're taking advantage of it. We're missing out. So they decided they need to go and try to dirty the waters, get people to leave the Christian faith so that they could pull them into the other one they get their taxes for the temple tax. Sounds good, right? And I'll be the first one to tell you that too many times church seems to be so busy in its schedule that it absolutely forgets. It absolutely absolutely forgets what its what its purpose is. It has several purposes. But the importance of fellowship in a church body it's the priority. Look at it this way. How did Jesus bring us into this? By loving us. How do we bring other people into this? By loving them. How do we keep each other into this? By loving on each other. The relationship's going to have everything in the world to do with, I mean, this. we're talking about a relationship with God. And, and Jesus summed it all up, didn't he? When he was asked, what's the most important command? What was his answer? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is as or like the first... Love your neighbor as yourself. Half of the commands address our relationship with God. The other half of the commands address our relationship with people. Don't take my word for it. Check it. This whole thing's about relationships. This whole thing is about fellowship. When our, and we know this to be true. When our fellowship with the Lord is strong, life's good, right? No matter what you're going through, life's good. Have your, has your fellowship with has your fellowship fellowship with God ever waned? You know what I mean by that? Go through something rough in life, kind of creates a little distance. Your prayer life ain't quite where it should be. You don't pick your Bible up like you used to. You don't go to church like you used to. How's life, by the way, when you distance yourself from God? Does it fix it? Is everything better? Folks, when our relationship with God is right, life is right. Never fair, not easy, but we have the ability to live it. And John is addressing this: Who is God? Who is God in light of who we are? And how important is fellowship when it comes to these three things? So take a look at verse one, chapter one. It says, "What was from the beginning? What we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have beheld in our hands handled concerning the word of life." Now it's very important that we pay close attention to this because. At this particular point in time, a lot of people are starting, um, I hate this word, I'm going to use it anyway, misinformation campaign. Now, the misinformation campaign was um, was driven by, again, those individuals that uh, that wanted to get more people to join Judaism or get more people to join the Greco-Roman pantheism, poly, uh, polytheism uh, religion of the Romans and the Greeks. Um, so... So there are many, many, they found many, many scrolls that were written and signed by the Apostle Paul, but Paul didn't write them. Now you think about it, it's pretty ingenious, right? If you want a church that's been established 
to really be goofed up, then all you have to do is write a letter pretending to be the person that planted it and send the letter. But people caught on pretty quickly. They caught on pretty quickly that there were individuals that were willing to send false information about the gospel, about Jesus Christ, with the signature of an apostle on it, and could get the church in trouble over it. The first thing in the world, the first thing that John's got to do is he's got to, he's got to put forth his credibility. This first verse is all about credibility. When you look at what he says, what was from the beginning, what we have heard, which means physically heard it with his own ears, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have beheld and our hands handled. So what we have heard, what we have seen, and what we have touched. How much does it help somebody's, concerning the word of life, how much does it help somebody's credibility if they actually walked with Jesus? How much does it help their credibility if they were individuals who were taught by Jesus, taken by Jesus, trained by Jesus? How do you think their relationship with each other, how do you think their relationship with each other was given that they all had that commonality? of we know that what it is that we're telling you is true. Credibility. He's saying he's not saying, hey, you know, I heard from a buddy who heard from another buddy who heard from another buddy. This is, I'm testifying to you what I myself have heard, what I myself have seen, and what, my, my, and what me myself have handled. These are things that I have done. They are not by testimony of someone else. Verse 2, and the life was manifested... And we have seen and hear and bear witness and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. What we have seen and heard, we proclaim to you also, that you also may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. So we go back and look at three. Um, I'm sorry, two. It says, life was manifested and we have seen and bear witness and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. So the first one he says, I've heard it, I have seen it, and I have felt it. And now he's actually saying, I'm an eyewitness of the manifestation of Jesus Christ. His, his life, his, his death, his burial, his resurrection. Verse, when you look at verse 3, though, he says, What we have seen and heard, we proclaim to you also, that you. Now, anytime you see the word that you, that is the purpose of that particular verse. Why, why does John, um, why is John proclaiming this to us? He says, he says right after this, that you also may have fellowship with us. How long has John been dead? I mean, we serve a God who, I mean, he's, he's timeless, right? And we believe wholeheartedly that the Bible is just as applicable to us today as it was 2,000 years ago. Why would I want to have fellowship with some dead guy? Not just some dead guy, but some dead guy been gone for 2,000 years. This is a dead guy been gone for a long time. But he says that your fellowship may be with us. Then he says where his, and then he says where his fellowship is. Indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and His Son Jesus Christ. You'll notice here that John does not claim under any circumstances to be the source. 
He claims to be a proclaimer of the source, and the source is mentioned at the end of verse 3. He's telling us these things so that we may be individuals who have fellowship with them, and indeed, our fellowship is with the Father. Now I want to ask you a question. If the Father is timeless, if his promise is timeless, Is fellowship timeless? If you really think about this, this has the potential of just blowing your brain completely off the top of your head. Okay? How many of you guys are looking forward to going to heaven? I'm looking forward to going to heaven. I'll throw both hands up. <laughs> um, you can answer this. I promise I won't consider this disruptive. When you get to heaven, out of all the Bible characters that you know, which one do you hope to see? That was the easy question. That was the easy answer. Is there no other Bible characters you want to talk to? Who? Now, I want to remind you of their existence. They are living the eternal existence. Now, they may not know you and me by name, but they do know one thing. We are a direct result of their work 4,000 years ago. Did you hear that? We are a direct result of their work 4,000 years ago. So if they knew your name, you know what? I believe wholeheartedly that they would be more excited to meet you than you could ever be to meet them. Through Christ. Do I have fellowship with John? I do. Are lives temporal? When did we change that? I mean, in Christianity, isn't life eternal? He's getting to something here that I kind of got into a little bit in the introduction. If you become a part of a church family, did you become woven in to that family as a family member? If you ever walk into a church and that church does not give you the sense that it can be a family to you, keep looking. Don't go to church just to go to church. Don't go to church just to check it off the list and say, look how spiritual I am today. I went to church. If you're going to go to church, then be a part of the church. If you're going to be a part of the church, then God will call you to one and he will affirm to you when you found it. You ever walk into a church and wonder why you even went in it? Sit there for the entire program and nobody comes over and says, hey, how are you doing? Or meet you at the door. Nobody. Folks, the fact is this. Jesus Christ loved us so much. He wanted to restore the relationship that was broken in the Garden of Eden. Through restoring the relationship, he restores the fellowship. When he restores the fellowship... That is what makes all of his promises accessible to us. All of them. Not just the promise of salvation, but the promise of being able to live life at its fullest in this fallen world where we're facing all of the struggles and the challenges. Verse 4 says, These things we write so that our joy may be made complete. I can tell you as a pastor, there is nothing that tickles my heart more 
than when I know that a church member was strong enough, one, to push Satan away, not give in to the temptation. But you know, I'm just as proud, number two, as the person who fails, who's willing to admit that they failed and are wholeheartedly willing to repent. There's a whole lot of things in the Bible, folks, that people tend to take the love part out of. It's the truth. And we have some people out there claiming to bear the truth, amen? But how much do you see love? How much do you see the truth in love play out? Crazy churches in this world, and I'm telling you, they're crazy, nutty churches. If they think there's any reason that Jesus Christ would have us calling people who are, who are not believers names to make them feel bad, then they don't know the same Jesus I do. Do people need to know that hell's real? Absolutely. Do they need to know it's hot? You better believe it. Do they need to know that every sinner that doesn't trust in Jesus is going to go there? Absolutely. But if you were a non-believer and I walked up to you and said, you're a homosexual and you're going to hell, would you say that's a correct angle to come from? Of course it isn't. Why? Because you want to engage people in a conversation. You want to try to spark a relationship. Relationship's the key to everything. If you spark a relationship with someone, they will instantly feel bad if they say something to hurt your feelings. Did you hear me? Joy made complete. There's nothing that tickles my heart more than to see a church member prevail through the difficulties, the challenges, and the struggles. Verse 5 says, and this is the message we have heard from him and announced to you, that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and yet we walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Walking in the light, walking in the darkness is a very, a fairly simple way for me to bring this about, an understanding of this. What do people do when, they, when they're actually doing something they're not supposed to? Do they do it out in the open or do they hide it? They hide it. Um, anytime you see the darkness and it applying to the carnal life, the physical life that we live, that's exactly what it's talking about. It's talking about the shameful things, the when people people get drunk at night, right? People carouse at night. People that's nights when all of the bad things tend to happen. That's when people do bad things. People typically don't. They do, but they typically don't rob a house in the middle of the day. They usually wait till nighttime. They don't rob a bank or a store in the middle of the day. They do it at nighttime. They do it to stay hidden. I've used the mom and dad go to Arkansas and uh, we knew when, we knew when we were doing things we wasn't supposed to be doing, and we put protections in place to kind of help keep us from getting in trouble and, and us to be able to clean things up quickly so we wouldn't get ourselves in trouble. We knew what we were doing was wrong. But you've got to pay close attention to the words that he used there. Walking in the darkness and walking in the light. Christ walks in the light, 
and then he mentions walking in the darkness. Walking. Not, oops, I tripped and fell. Not, oops, I made a mistake, but walking. Habitual darkness. We had a pastor in our association several years ago, quite a few years ago, became the pastor of one of our churches in the association. <clears throat> had a conversation with him one day, and I kind of, I, I seen when his cheese started to slide off its cracker. I don't know whether this was a belief that the guy had all along or if it's what his intentions was. Became the pastor of a church, built a relationship with people, and then they would have church fellowships and set the drugs up in, in the wood line. The preacher was setting the drugs up in the wood line for anybody who wanted to go have some drugs. It was in a bar fight. Kind of bar fight. It's like, okay, I mean, I'm not a judgmental guy about you going in a bar. You can go in a bar and share Jesus with people. That's fine. Just keep the beer out of your hands. Keep the beer out of your mouth. But this guy's drinking in a bar fight. Preacher. Pastor of one of our churches. So does this seem to you that this guy's somebody who walks in the light, or is he somebody who walks in the darkness and maybe carries a flashlight over his head every now and then just to convince him that he was walking in the light? It matters, folks. This is a fact. It matters. Our conduct on a daily basis matters. Who we are, what we say, how we say it, how we present ourselves to people, it matters. I asked this question a week or two ago, but and I'm going to ask you personally this question. Don't answer it out loud. I just want you to answer this question. How do I pose the question? Is the question. If somebody was to follow you around without you knowing it, how long would it take before you displayed something that was anti-Christian? I'm not just talking about the things we do. I'm not talking about doing things that you're not supposed to do. I'm talking about them seeing your attitude, them seeing how you respond to problems, them seeing how you respond to challenges, them seeing how you respond to life in general. If someone was to walk around behind you without you knowing it, and they was to write down everything that you did, would they be able to see Jesus in your life? Would they just look like anybody else out there? Because the truth is, folks, I mean, I, I, one of the, you know what one of the biggest challenges and struggles are to sharing uh, or yeah, I say sharing Jesus. You know what the biggest struggle is about getting people to respond? You know what the biggest problem is with evangelism today? It's us. We're the problem. Either we're not comfortable sharing it, we're afraid to share it, we can't share it. I started off in ministry as a youth pastor for 12 years in one of our churches here in Jefferson County. And I'm here to tell you, the number of students who are at church Man, they would conduct themselves. And I think that people, over, I've seen over 32 years, people in general are that way. Um, people in general are different people at church than they are outside of church. Do you guys know that? 
There are people who will say stuff outside of this church all week long, won't say it inside the church. If you won't say it inside the church, and what does that mean about it outside of the church? My dad used to say, if you're going to say anything, you be sure and pretend you're saying it to your mom first. If you wouldn't say it to your mom, it better not come out of your mouth. Of course, as Christians, we're adding a new layer to that, right? But we shouldn't be people who operate out of fear either. The fellowship's the love. We don't fear God. We shouldn't fear him like we fear a grizzly bear. We should fear, fear him in the, in, the, um, in the area of respect, which is what that word fear, when you see it in the Bible, says fear the Lord. It's talking about respecting the Lord. It's talking about honoring him. It's talking about seeing him for who he is. Um, and honestly, if we saw him for who he is, we probably would uh, be a whole lot happier people. God's light in him, there is no darkness at all. If, if we say we have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Uh, you guys are going to stick your toe in the darkness once in a while. You just are. You're a human being. Um, we make mistakes. In many cases, they aren't even conscious mistakes. In many, in many cases, we don't realize we did something wrong until after we did it wrong. Someone who's a Christian will not walk in the darkness. Somebody who's a Christian will not live consistently sinning consistently in their life. They just won't do it. God made it that way. He made it that way on purpose. He knew that if he was going to be he was going to be calling billboards, which is really what we are, right? We're we're Jesus's billboards. Fact is, folks, most people who most people who have an idea who Jesus is, they formed that idea who are non-believers, they formed that idea based on the believers that are in their life. That's why the world's so messed up. That's why we're hated so much. Because we do have people out there that are claiming to be Baptists that are saying things like, God hates fags. That God hates our military. That does us no favors. Fellowship. Relationship. We build that fellowship and relationship. I could take you to five atheists over on Jefferson College campus, walk up to them, and they'll greet, they'll greet me. Atheists, they'll greet me. You know Why? Because I've engaged them in conversations before. And I treated them respectfully. And amazing, when I treated them respectfully, you know what they did in return? They treated me respectfully. When we walked away from that conversation, that person may not have been saved, but a seed had been planted. And the next time I see any one of these guys, they, hey, preacher. They'll even call me preacher. They're atheists as could be. Verse... Uh, 8 says, if we say, if you say you have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. To cleanse us from all unrighteousness, this, the forgiving us of our sins, this imputed righteousness is what he's talking about here. And, it's, and it again, is giving depth to the relationship that God has called us into. In other words, if we are humble enough individuals to admit that we are sinners, if we're humble enough to admit that we are failures, then God is faithful enough to forgive us the sins, but then to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You see, cleansing with imputed righteousness applies here, but it's not just the, the imputed righteousness, but the, the uh, cleansing from unrighteousness can only happen to people who are willing to confess their sins. Did you get that? It can only happen to people who confess their sins. Something that does not know it's broken can't be fixed. Won't be fixed. Shows no need to be fixed. 
As Christians, every one of us should be individuals who are coming to the Word of God as broken individuals. We should come to the Word of God looking at it as if what we are about to read, we have never read before. Because I've said this before too, folks, it's easy for us as individuals to become familiar with the passage of Scripture. And as someone that I'm telling you now has preached over 8,000 sermons in 32 years, As long as we're on this planet, we'll never know it all. Doesn't mean we should stop. I've I've told many people before because there are people who are so hungry, they want to learn all that they can about Christianity. And I really do appreciate that, but it's a little bit scary. It's a little scary. The reason I say it's scary is The more that a person learns, the more they come to realize just how much they don't know. This isn't like our social studies book at school. So we went through the year, we became closer and closer to the end of the book. You never reach the end of the book as long as you're here. No matter what we learn, tomorrow there's something new to learn. If you went back and tracked my sermons, I bet there have been 10 or 12 sermons that have been preached from the same passage of Scripture but not one of the sermons were exactly alike. We only grow and move forward when we are individuals who are willing to be the person who confesses our sins, who's willing to outrightly admit that I am not who I should be. Verse 10 says, If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar. And his word is not in us. You guys ever, how many of you have ever met? How many of you ever met the individual who truly believed that they had never committed anything in their life bad enough to justify them going to hell? I meet a lot of them. A lot of people who are not Christians. Like, you know, I'm not really that bad. And I'm like, this isn't like the top ten list. This isn't like the top ten worst people on the planet are going to hell. Everybody else gets to. This is based on... This is based on purity and non-purity. Righteousness, unrighteousness. This is based on reality. And one of the, one of the uh, things that I've done in Bible study to kind of teach teenagers this concept, if I took two bottles of water and stuck them, stuck them up here on this Lord's Supper table, okay? Then I went out on the ground. I won't tell you where I got it from, but I just get one little bitty pinch of dirt. Just a little one. Maybe even just two grains. So small that you wouldn't even be able to see it in the water. But... It's definitely there. Two glasses. Drop a little dirt in one of them. Now, I'll tell you which one I dropped the dirt in. And if you got thirsty and decided you want to drink out of one of them two glasses, which one would you pick? Would you pick the one I put dirt in or the one that I didn't put dirt in? Our lives are the same way. People think that... People think that you can only be tainted maybe, you know, if you're tainted less than 10%, you're good. No, you're not. It's no different than anybody. I've had people who say, well, I've never done anything in my life, really. You never drove away with the bank's ink pen? Never took a paper clip out of the office? Does, do you have to be a murderer? Or is sin sin? Sin is sin. 
Sinners apart from Christ go to hell. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. We have a certain level of acceptance in our culture today. Acceptance. Sin acceptance. A certain level of it, right? Because, I mean, I've, I've had people sitting in church will come up and go, yeah, I'll, I won't go more than five mile an hour of the speed limit. Is it sin? Is it a sin to go five mile an hour of the speed limit? It is. Law of the land doesn't go contrary to God's word. It matters. It matters. But how much do we think about five mile an hour of the speed limit being a sin? If I walked up to you and said, I'll give you a choice. Today you either get to drive five mile an hour over or you take this gun and go shoot that guy in the head. Which of the two would you pick? And why would it not be neither? Why would it not be neither? For years, we convinced ourselves that sinning was doing things that God told us not to. But you want to make a whole bunch of Baptists nervous, point out the fact that sin is also not doing what God told us to. But which of the two are we more careful not to commit? We create this, folks. We, man, we manufacture these lines in our heads, and we all live by a justifiable diagram. Things we will do. Things we won't do. Things we'll do on Friday, but we won't do on Monday. Things we'll do on Saturday, but we won't do on Tuesday. If you want to know the truth, folks... It speaks to the quality of fellowship that God's creation has with him. Explain what I mean. Me and Diana, married 29 years. Love her. I think she loves me too. She always says she does. If you have a relationship with a spouse or a relationship or if you've ever had a relationship, how many times did you walk to the person that you have this relationship with and intentionally hurt them? Not accidentally. Somebody you love, the bottom of your heart, you walk in and you intentionally hurt them. Do you do that? We, do, we make a, do, we make a, uh, do we make a concerted effort to do that, to hurt the people we love? But when you look at the quality of the fellowship or the relationship that we have with the Father, knowing everything that he brings to the table, if we confess our sins, who could ask for more than for him to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness? Who can ask for more than what he's extended in the life that he's provided to us through his death, burial, and resurrection? Who could ask for more? But we honestly, <coughs> we are a culture, excuse me, we are a culture of individuals who are just like a, b a bunch of little kids. We're insatiable. When's the last time you prayed without asking God for something? Ooh. I brought that up a few times before, too. What do you think about people who call you all the time just to ask you for something? I mean, friends are the ones that 
kind of drives me nuts sometimes. There's a few church members that'll call me, and I'll be on the phone, and then I'll be like, I'll get off the phone, and I'm like, it's an hour and a half later. That's what it's supposed to be. <laughs> it's not supposed to be about work. It's not supposed to be about pushing things along. If we genuinely care about each other and love each other, then we're going to be people who that fellowship is going to encourage us to do the best we can for one another. And if our relationship and our fellowship with the Father is the same, then it's going to have the exact same result. As fallible as we may be, as much as we may make mistakes, don't sit in this room and tell me today that you can't do better. Because that should never come out of a human being's mouth who's alive. We can always do better. And then all these churches are running around out there, hey, you know what the key to this is? The key is having a vacation Bible school. The key is us having all these summer programs. The key is having all the entertainment for the kids and all the entertainment for the... No, the key is the relationship with Jesus. But it has to be a relationship. He can't be an acquaintance. The fact is, I believe that too many people in this world have Jesus as an acquaintance. Somebody we drop in on once in a while. But, only when we need something, right? We pray without ceasing. We should be constantly being individuals who are recognizing the blessings that God's blessed us with. We should have the faith to be able to climb mountains when, when we understand that this fellowship, what it opens up for us. Dunamis power! Dunamis! What's that the Greek word for? Dynamite. Explosive. When's the last time you've seen a Christian living an explosive life? Don't happen much these days. I know what it is. World's 6,000 years old. God's getting tired. Maybe he's getting old. Don't you all look at me like I'm being serious. Of course it's not God's problem. If there's a problem with, with human relationships, I can sit in a counseling session in there for about 20 minutes, just let two people go at it, I can find out whose fault it is. Okay? Some cases it may take two meetings. Eventually I'm going to find out who the fault, whose fault it is. Now when it comes to relationship problems between us and God, I can guarantee you whose problem it's not. These are the choices we make, folks. Many of these choices are the result of the relationship that we have with God. The caliber of those choices have everything to do with our relationship with God. Because when the day comes that we won't share the gospel with a lost person because we're afraid of them, tell me just how jacked up we've made this. I'm afraid of another human being who the worst he could do is coincidentally the best thing that he could do for me, right? Put a bullet in my head. Why am I more afraid of a human being than I am the creator of the universe? It goes right back to the respect thing. I respected my dad, amen? The book of Hebrews is pretty clear. It says God chastises those whom he loves. What does the word chastise mean? Discipline. What's the hillbilly word for discipline? Whooping. 
It's a whooping. I can't get over. And I've done it, folks. I'm going to stand up here and be self-righteous. I've lived that life, too. I know. I know how hard life is. But the fact is, folks, we have those gauges in our life that tells us when there's a problem. And if we fear human beings more than we fear the creator of the universe, there's a problem. If we believe that this church is just a manifestation of a whole bunch of rules, then we've missed the entire purpose. We've missed the call. You're not Highland Baptist Church only on Sunday. You're Highland Baptist Church seven days a week out there. Because it's part of this community bigger than that? You're not a member of a church on Sundays only. You're a member of Jesus' church every day of the week. And the church should be filled with people who realize that and are willing to suffer. Suffer. Christians, the only people I really know who could suffer with a smile on their face. What was it Jesus said? Blessed are those who are persecuted for my name's sake, for yours is the kingdom of heaven. How much did Jesus love us? So much that he laid his life down for us. How does one friend show love to another? By laying our lives down for each other. Did you die for me? you die for the person for the person to your right would you die for the person that you never met would you die for the person that you know was a criminal a lifelong criminal just how far will you go to make sure that the world hears the gospel because i'll tell you how far jesus went to bring it it takes an equal effort he was willing to die to bring us the gospel we should be willing to die to bring people into that fellowship with God every day of the week. But in some cases we can't because we have no credibility because we walk around all week long and live like a heathen, unrepentant hearts, pick and choose which sins are okay and which ones aren't. Sometimes believe that God can do it. Sometimes see that he may have. And then just coast through life getting exactly what we expected, exactly what we deserve. Do you know every action has an equal but opposite reaction? I tell people all the time, you don't have to sit in a Sunday school class to be a teacher. Whether you like it or not, you're a teacher. Because people out there are watching you. What does fellowship with God mean? What does intimacy with God, what does intimacy with one another mean? Tell you what, it's a love a whole lot deeper than most churches are experiencing anymore. The key's not the preacher, the key's not the deacons, the key's not the members, the key's not your family relations, ministry person, the key is your relationship with Jesus. You take care of the relationship with Jesus and everything under it is going to be blessed. Fact. So everywhere we go, 
Everything we do, everything we say, Jesus had better be part of it. If you're here today and you've never placed your trust in Jesus Christ, your personal Lord and Savior, I can't save you, but I'll take whatever time's necessary to introduce you to the one who can. If you're not comfortable coming forward, talking to me here, you can hang out after church. My phone number's on the bulletin. You can even call me. But I implore you, I beg you, if the Holy Spirit moves you, what does that mean? You'll know. If the Holy Spirit moves you, don't let Satan under any circumstances stop you from learning more about who Jesus is. Believer, there's room for improvement for all of us. And, and again, I want you to walk away with this. It's not about how good everything else is. It's not about how good your relationship is with other church members. It's not about how good your relationship is with your spouse. It's all about how good your relationship is with Jesus. And if your relationship with Jesus is where it's supposed to be, then you're going to have some of the highest quality marital relationships and friend relationships than you'll ever see in your life. Because instead of them being defined by us, they're defined by the one that we've given our life to. So we love our spouses and we love our friends the way that Jesus teaches us to. We do what, what we've been asked to do. We desire to be obedient and faithful. We know how this ends. If you're here today and you just need to move. By move, I mean sometimes we just get caught in these ruts where we sit still too long. Sometimes we just need to move. And that means... During this invitation time, sing the song. But spend this time with the Lord. You can't take care of it all in one day. But there's no better time to start than now. Thank you for joining us today. If you have questions about becoming a Christian, prayer requests, or just want to say hello, you can reach us at facebook.com forward slash Highland Southern BC. We hope that this message was encouraging to all of our listeners. Have a blessed week.